So we had a leadership weekend, which Adele referred to earlier, and it's totally brilliant. Mine had an interesting start. I was waiting in a queue to get into the city centre. It's a small road, and I was there for 10, 15 minutes. Might have used some bad words and was quite, quite frustrated because I was late to a team meeting. And then I realised I was sitting behind a queue of parked cars. So the reason they weren't moving was because they were parked. So, but we had a great weekend. It really was significant. It was amazing. Zach has sent his apologies this morning. Zach has a mic who's got a cough. Zach actually meant to be hosting this morning, but it's also Zach's birthday. So do send Zach a birthday message. But Mike has got a cough, so people will do anything nowadays. Want me to have a birthday off work? So that's what's really going on. Then. But. It's been a brilliant weekend, and I don't know about you, but I definitely feel a bit out of church fitness after a leadership weekend. Del and I went out, and Adele's sister was in town and looking after boys, and we said, should we go for a drink after? And we looked at the clock and thought, oh, 8 o'clock, can't go at 8 o'clock. So what's happened to us? We're just getting older as we're just completely out of church fitness. But anyway, it really is great to share with you this morning. Last All In Sunday, we looked at the battle that we're in. And if I'm honest, it felt quite heavy. Hopefully it was helpful, it felt quite heavy. Whereas this morning, we're looking at the love of God, which feels much more light and much more kind of, I guess, accessible for where we are this morning. I'm just excited about sharing with you. But any rom-com fans out there? Any rom-com fans this morning? You weren't expecting that, were you? You thought I was going to say, you know, what about Cristiano Ronaldo? Let's talk about him for 10 minutes. He's a legend. Any rom-com fans any out there? Yes, Adele, that, that's good. Good audience participation for my wife. But... But there's a great film out called I Feel Pretty, and it's Amy Schumer. And the gist of it, really, quite simply, is that in society's eyes, she doesn't feel that she's attractive. She doesn't feel that she's pretty. And she doesn't feel that because of that, she's got confidence or self-esteem or she struggles with job interviews. She struggles with just the different things she comes across because, in her opinion, she's not attractive enough. And it is a comedy, just to be clear. But what happens is she falls on a treadmill, bangs her head, and suddenly doesn't change physically, but feels really attractive, feels like she's really beautiful. And her confidence, her self-esteem changes. She walks around the strut. She goes to job interviews with full confidence. She's just beaming with energy. She has a good social circle. Everything changed just because she has a greater confidence of who she is. And you've probably guessed where I'm going with this, but it made me think, what does it look like for us if we really understand the love of God? How does it shape us and mold us and create a foundation for everything we do if we really know the love of God? I wonder if in this period we've lost our roots, we've lost our foundations. Glenda, one of our elders on social media, shared Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I don't know if you remember that from your days of sixth form or hires, but that's not a particularly visible picture, is it? <laughs> Imagine you could see that on a big screen. But anyway, what this does, and I'm not going to do it justice, I'm not a scientist, but it talks about the fact that all of us have different needs and things that we require in order to be healthy, in order to flourish, in order to live well. And it says that our base, we need food and warmth and rest. We need safety, we need employment, we need health. We need love, belonging, we need community. We need self-esteem, we need a sense of achievement and purpose and self-actualization, which basically means purpose and engaging with morality. But it doesn't take a genius to realize that in this time, all of these things in many respects have been absolutely knocked for six, have been battered. Our basic needs of food, warmth and rest for many of us have been a real struggle. We know people who are struggling with those basic needs. Safety, employment and health, what seems so secure, what seems so stable, for many of us, will feel absent, and we're worried about our job security. We're worried about our health. We're worried 
about loved, wrong, loved ones. Love and belonging, perhaps we felt more isolated and lonely than ever. Perhaps we're questioning who our friends are. Perhaps we're questioning where we fit, how we belong. Our self-esteem, perhaps it's been shot and knocked for six. And self-actualization, perhaps we feel like we've got nothing left to give. This has been such a hard time, has it, for so many of us. Many people I've spoken to in this church, and even people who are normally just so positive and stable and just doing so well have really struggled in this season. It's been a really difficult season for so many of us. And I don't know about you, but I naively thought that once we start to see the light at the end of the tunnel, once we start to come out of this pandemic, that everything would be okay. But if we're honest, some of the needs and problems have been more exposed. Perhaps our loneliness or isolation has been more exposed than ever before. Or perhaps it's that we feel out of control. I was chatting to a counsellor just the other day and they were saying the definition of stress in their opinion is feeling out of, sorry, the definition of stress is feeling out of control. And with all that's gone on, with all these things and these needs being taken away, perhaps we feel completely out of control. I was chatting to a psychiatrist at a wedding the other day. It was a brilliant wedding, it really was, but I found myself chatting to a psychiatrist about the pandemic. And they said that the clients they were engaging with were more concerned in this season now we're out of the pandemic than during the pandemic because they actually found safety and security in the midst of the certainty of lockdown. So where do we look when all our foundations, when all our securities have been taken away, when so many of the things that we deem stable and deem to be our securities have been taken away? I want to read a really lovely piece of scripture, a really incredible piece of scripture from Ephesians 3, verse 14, 21. Ephesians 3, 14, 21. It will be on the screen. You're welcome to open your Bible, but Ephesians 3, 14, 21. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask and imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So Paul has written these chapters leading up to this. And it's rich with theology. It's rich with an understanding of who God is. It's rich with this knowledge of scripture and this knowledge of doctrine, this knowledge of how we follow Jesus. But then he shifts to his prayer. We get a glimpse of his prayer, a glimpse of his love for Jesus, the intimate relationship he has for Jesus. And it's a reminder to all of us that we need knowledge of who God is. We need to understand who God is. We need to know about God. We need to relate to God. But more importantly, the understanding and the knowledge has to be intimacy with God. The goal isn't knowledge. The goal is a deeper awareness of intimacy and awareness of God's love. I wonder if there's two extremes when we pray. One is that we think that God is holy but not personal. So we come to him recognizing that he's to be revered. He's God of the universe. He's the creator. He's majestic. He's all-powerful. But we forget that he's also personal. Or equally, we sometimes forget that he's holy. We go to him and recognize that he's an intimate God. He's our father. He's daddy. But we forget that he's also holy. 
when we come to God in prayer, he's both holy and personal. And Paul writes this incredible piece of scripture. And in the original Greek, there's no punctuation. He's just desperate for us to understand the incredible grace, the incredible love, the incredible expression of how much Jesus loves us. He's desperate that we would grasp how much Jesus loves me, how much he loves every one of us. Paul is crying out to God that we would know the love of God. And he's praying in this passage that we would know the love the Father has for us, that we would understand more so the love of God for me, for us. And it says here, for, and our love for him through faith, that we would be established and rooted in love of him. That we would know what it is to love him more. That we would love him and respond to the love he has for us. And be rooted and established in God's love. When everything else is uncertain, when everything else is unstable, that we can be rooted, established, and grounded in God's love. And Paul here is praying. He's on his knees, prostrate, praying that we would know the love of God more. This wasn't a usual prayer position. People prayed standing up in this time. And he could have prayed for anything, but he chose to pray that the readers, the people in Ephesus, the church, you and I as we read today would know the love of God more. Am I praying for this? Are you praying for this? Are you praying that those around you this morning would know the love of God more? Are you praying for those in your community that they would know a deeper awareness of God's love? Are you praying that the leaders of this church would know a deeper understanding and appreciation, deeper intimacy with God? Are you praying that those in our city would know a deeper love of God, a deeper intimacy with him? That's what Paul's doing here. He's crying out saying, I want you to know the incredible gift, the incredible grace, the incredible love of God. He's praying that the followers and readers would know the love of God more. As a leadership team, you saw in a video, we've been praying that we would grow in maturity because we want to understand what it is to have a deep and intimate relationship with God. We never get there. We're growing in this relationship with God. Do you love Jesus more than you did yesterday? Is your faith deeper and stronger than it was five, ten years ago? Are you in love with Jesus in a way that is so profound and deep? Adele and I have done that terrible thing that you do as Christian couples when you get a bit older, when you start matchmaking. Any other couples, couples guilty of that? Come on, name it. It can't just be us. Come on, we've been falling into that trap at different churches. But basically what happens is you, it's with good intentions, right? But you think that it's helpful to matchmake people. We've got a 0% success rate. <laughs> if we cut... Dell claims otherwise. If we come and try and help you, run. Honestly, there's no chance. If we suggest someone to you, it's probably the exact opposite of the person who you should actually be getting with. But when you're matchmaking, what you're doing is you're saying, this person is amazing. They're so funny. They're so creative. You just really click. You'd really connect. Or you say, this person is so beautiful. We're so attractive. You'd really just love them. You'd love hanging out. You two would really click. But here's the reality. I can't make someone be attracted to someone. I can't make someone love someone more. You can't make someone love someone more. You can't make someone love someone. You can't make me love Jesus more. I can't make you love Jesus more. But Paul's here praying that we would know the mind, in our minds, the love of Christ. That we would know in our wills the love of Christ. And we would know in our hearts the love of Christ. He says, I want you to know the love of Christ in your mind. That you'd know the incredible gift of Jesus. 
But you'd know it in your will, his power working within us. That he would lead everything, but we would fully understand and fully grasp, and it would shape everything about our lives. Not me plus God. Not me fitting God into my life, but God shaping everything I do. God having complete authority, complete reign throughout my life. That's what Paul is crying out for here. But we would know God in our minds and in our wills. George Miller was an incredible missionary in Bristol. And he set up many orphanages and saw many people come to know Jesus and did remarkable stuff, I think in the 18th or 19th century. And he was asked, what is the secret of your service to God? And Muller's response was this. There was a day when I died, utterly died to George Muller. His opinions, his preferences, his tastes and his will. I died to the world, its approval and censure. I died to the approval or blame, even of my brethren and friends. And since then I have studied to show myself approval only to God, a servant of God, and has one but master, Jesus. Wow to say that God has complete authority in our lives, to affect our inner being, to affect our will, to dismiss sin, to say, God, you have complete authority in our lives, to know it with our minds, to know it in our wills, but most importantly and most significantly, to love God in our hearts, to dwell in your hearts. And let's name the fact that given all we've been through, there's definitely an understanding that many of us have fallen out of love with our first love. Let's recognize that many of us have got hard hearts. But Paul is crying out that we would know the width and the length and the height and the depth of his love. So wide that it's for each and every one of us. So wide that no matter your background, your story, your circumstances, this love is for you. No matter your race, your gender, whatever it is about you, you're very welcome to the table of grace where your invitation is wide. And its length of eternity to eternity is so high that the heavens come down to earth for us. It's so deep that Jesus came to earth for you and I. He's desperate we would grasp this love in our hearts but it would change everything, but we'd once again fall in love with Jesus. For all we've been through, for all the challenges, Paul is crying out, I'm crying out, we're crying out this morning that we would know a deep love of Jesus, that we would know the love ourselves, but we would respond and give everything to this love. Jensen, my son, who's seven-year-old, he said to me, it says in the Bible, Dad, that you should love God with all your heart, but how do we do that? How do we know we're doing it enough? And I said, Jensen, it's my day off. (laughs) Ask someone else on Sunday. Ask ask Jasmine, your your children's worker. But I I thought about it, and if I'm honest, it stuck me. I was like, yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I know what to say, but I don't actually know how you do this. But it really challenged me, because how do we know that we're loving God with all our heart? And then I just thought, simply, it's like any relationship. You have to invest in it. You give it time. You talk to one another. Your actions back up the relationship. You don't just turn up at Christmas and Easter. You keep going when it's hard. You keep going the extra mile when it gets difficult. And sorry if I'm being provocative, but we have to invest in this relationship. This isn't a guilt trip. Hear what I'm saying. This is not a guilt trip saying that we need to do this because for many of us, I understand the last 18 months has been brutally tough. For many of us, we've struggled to get out of bed in the morning. And the thought of doing anything more is a hard challenge. I understand that. But there's a longing that we would know the love of God, that we would grow in our relationship with him. 
We were created to know God. We were created to be loved God. He doesn't need us. But he knows in order to be fulfilled, we need him. In order to flourish, in order to have the best life, in order to be fruitful, in order to have all we are called to be, we love him. We invest in that relationship. This is a longing that we would relate to him. It's not a guilt trip. It's a recognition that actually for us to flourish, for us to be all we're called to be, we invest in that relationship with God. We can't outgive God. We can't outgive God. The amount of times I've realized in the morning that I want to spend time praying, but just to do to do lists and children and all the other stuff just is too much. I'm like, oh, I'll pray, but I haven't really got time for this. And then remarkably, I've seen things change in my schedule, things fall out of my calendar, things change. You can't outgive God. Invest in your love for Him. It's not a pressured thing. It's a liberating thing to get to know the Father who created you, who loved you, who wants to know you more. You see, here's the thing. If you remember back to Maslow's hierarchy, remember that Paul was in prison when he wrote this, likely to be water high, waist high in water. He was chained to a guard, wrote this. He had all those safety and security nets taken away from him. And as he recognized the foundation is Jesus, as we realize that our one foundation is to be established and rooted in Jesus, as we realize that our love of God is what roots and grounds us in all we can, then we realize that his word says that perfect love casts out all fear. When we're worried about making ends meet, we realize in scripture it says, just trust me for each and every day. When we're fearful just to face the day, he says, I'll give you courage, I'll stand with you, I'll walk with you. When we're struggling with identity and self-esteem, he says, you're my sons and daughters whom I love, who I died for. When we're feeling isolated and lonely, he says, this is your family, this is your community. That last one might not be much of an encouragement, but we're called to understand that this foundation is the root of everything else. When we're rooted and established in Jesus, everything else falls in place. The last 18 months have been really tough, I understand that. And for many of us, we can just name time and time again all the challenges we've been through. But honestly, if we lean into God, if we push into him, we'll be so grateful of this period of just increasing intimacy, of increasing dependence on him. All we're called to do is to focus on our relationship with him. Stop thinking of what you're not and start thinking of who he is. Remember, you're praying to the King of Kings. Remember, you're praying to the Lords of the Lords. You're the creator of the universe. He wants a relationship with you and I. Jesus is amazing. Jesus is incredible. That's why we give up our Sunday mornings to be here. And he wants a relationship with you and I. It's so easy, isn't it, as Christians to be distracted by discussions around doctrine, discussions around what we think about things, discussions about how we engage with society. And we can easily be distracted. And I'm not saying that stuff's not important, but it can be stuff that can distract us from what is essentially a very simple gospel. I wonder at times as Christians, we've overcomplicated what is essentially a simple gospel, to love God with all our hearts and minds and to love others as ourselves. i never forget, I chatted to a girl called Shannon years ago. And... She contacted me. I hadn't seen her for two years. I used to teach her one morning a week. And she was actually dating one of the guys who used to coach at football. And she came to me at the time. She was about 18. And she said, I'm just really need to see you. So I saw her. And she basically was going for an abortion at the time. 
and she was in floods of tears and was in a real state. And all I could say to her was two things. But God loves you and people love you. Because for her, all she needed to know was that God loved her, that God cared for her, and others around her did love her, even though she felt like at the end of the earth. We are all craving love. We're all craving community. We were at the leadership conference, as I said, this weekend, and what we realized was that we wanted to share about how we share Jesus, and we had some great talks, some great inspiration around different ways of evangelizing. But our prayer, our desire, was that people would have a new revelation of Jesus. The vision is always Jesus, nothing more, nothing less. We're not trying to wow people with anything other than our love for Jesus. We simply want to be known for our love for Jesus. My heart for this church, my heart for the church in the UK is that we would know our passion for Jesus. I worry at times we've lost our passion. I don't mean us as a church, I mean collectively, that we've lost our passion, we've lost our desire to believe that God can do the impossible, to believe that this city, this nation can be changed by him. We can easily be on the margins, we can easily be on the parameters of society, but actually, when we fall in love with Jesus, when we have a renewed passion for him, everything changes. And here's what's amazing about this passage we've read. If we focus on him, if we focus on our relationship with him, if we remember how much he loves us and we respond in love to him, if we invest in renewing that passion, worshipping him, giving our all, not saying we've got it sorted, but being intentional about loving him and serving him. If we focus on him, he's the God of the immeasurably more. He's the God of his riches and fullness we see in this. He can do more than our wildest dreams. He cares but more about this city than any of us do. He cares more about your work colleagues than any of us do. He cares more about your children than you or I do. He cares more about the church than we do. He's the God of the immeasurably more. He cares more about the students in your hall than you do. All that we would be rooted and established in God's love. Let's name it, many of us have run dry in this time. Many of us have. Because of all what's gone on, understandably, we've got lukewarm and we've lost our first love but God is calling us back this morning to relate to him and say actually God at the throne of your grace I come back to you I recognize it's not about me it's all about you and I want to give you my all I want to prioritize you I want to worship you I want to give you my everything I want to reread this passage and I've changed the, the words slightly so why don't we stand if we're able And I want to just pray this over us. I've, I've just changed it slightly. I've made it about us, not about a prayer for us. So I'm just going to read this over us. For this reason, we kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. We pray that out of your glorious riches, we may be strengthened with power through the Spirit in our inner beings, so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And we pray that being rooted and established in love, we may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and how long and how high is the deep love of Christ. And we want to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to be, do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and ever. Amen. The worship band are coming up and we're going to spend some time responding in worship. 
And I just encourage you just to put your hands out as a sign of wanting to receive just an, an awareness of God's love. You might want to get down and kneel. But what does it look like this morning, just in this fantastic family, this fantastic space, to say, actually, God, I want to know you deeper. And that's for all of us. It's not just for those who are feeling lukewarm. All of us should be crying out for a deeper intimacy with Jesus. Let me pray for us as we go into worship. Holy Spirit, we pray that we would be just encouraged by your love, liberated by your goodness, strengthened by your grace. Jesus, just come. Just come. We pray for such a sense of you moving amongst us as a family, but also individually. And I pray for any of my brothers and sisters this morning who are just feeling convicted by you just to come back to you, just to return to you. Not that we've fallen away from you completely, but perhaps we're just not walking with you as close as we once were. I pray that that would just free us and excite us and that we would be so passionately in love with you this morning. Give us just a renewed spark and hope in you, Lord. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.